Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. All right, welcome to Holy Week. We are here, Santa Semana. Santa welcome. Semana. Bienvenidos a todos. This is Father Mike, Padre Miguel Lorenzo Rep. Y Padre Natan. Somebody told me that I sounded like uh, Nacho whenever I do my... I did. I was listening to your podcast uh, with the Spanish intro. First time ever watching Nacho Libre was a week and a half ago. And what'd you think? Um, so it is a fan favorite of uh, some seminarians that came over to my house. Uh, Colm Larkin, um, Tyler Froelich, Andrew Gaffney, and Deacon Thomas Maddock. Okay. And uh, Deacon Thomas really enjoys it, and they were happy to share it with me. We got some Taco Bell. What's your what's your what's your Taco Bell what's your Taco Bell order of choice? Easy Baja beef chalupa. Oh, I don't think they do Baja. They don't do Baja anymore. I always ask for it. That is a great choice. That is what I usually get when before they changed it. So you know, I have. You're not a cheesy gordita crunch guy or a Crunchwrap Supreme guy. Nope. John is a Crunchwrap Supreme guy. He likes Crunchwrap Supreme. What a, the, what a loser. Well, I don't, what? I don't know that it's a bad sandwich. Kids, if you're going to grow up someday, like one, don't do drugs. Two, get into the Chalupa early in life. Don't let go. But the Crunchwrap Supreme is not worth your time. It is better than some, though. Because I'm a, I'm a low-end dollar menu guy. That's your Wendy's upbringing, yes. And they have run out of actual substance in the dollar menu and now it's just like cheese and rice yeah and it's like the spray cheese or whatever mm-hmm. so really have a hard time doing the sure. Taco bell because i can't i can't go for the meal for eight bucks i i you know i do every time and no problem those little styrofoams with cinnamon sugar on okay them? no if, thanks no gosh i can't believe that i ordered three orders of those and i was the only one that would actually eat them so no thanks uh yeah so anyways uh we ordered some taco bell came back watched nacho and i'm glad that they were there because there were moments that i didn't realize it was supposed to be funny um Uh and uh and then like i laughed because it was like oh yeah that's that is funny now but like for them it's like this is their this is their movie you know like this is their whatever do you think, have they seen it three, four times? Oh, like they watch it every year. Well, see, that's when it gets funny because you can ignore the weird. Right. And like those two weird little creature uh Oh, yeah, wrestlers, those guys? Yeah. I was like, this is so cheesy. Where did this come from? Yeah. But then eventually, yeah, I'm cool with it. My favorite line in the whole movie was when he's like, he's like, the I can't remember what the brother's name was, the guy with the creepy mustache. But he's like, Leave us alone so that me and Sister Encarnacion can talk about spiritual things. <laughs> it has such good lines. <laughs> These are the Lord's chips. The Lord's chips. Um I do like the Encarnacion. Encarnacion. <laughs> I think it's a cute movie. I think it's clever. I like Jack Black generally. Yes. And so I do think it's a fun movie. When we watched it at the Christ the King house back in the day, we watched with uh, Father Miguel. 
and with Alberto Alejandre. Uh-huh. And they both hated it. Yes. They said it was insulting, insulting to their culture. They didn't think the humor was right. And I'm like, oh, I guess I could see it, but I don't think it's, I think it's such a farce, such a f- satire that it should be like, obviously this isn't supposed to be a commentary on. I think the problem is Americans don't have a culture. Americans don't have a culture. So, um, you know, like uh, when we watch The Hangover, it's like that's American culture. I see, and we're yeah. just making fun of it. But our culture is so insipid that, you know, and like the Vatican did put it on the offensive list, I think. Oh, really? Um, so, you know, be advised. So I would just say I watched it. That's my nacho. That's my nacho introduction. I tried at one point. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a funny movie. So I brought in a clip to Canon Law Class. We were talking about sacraments, what's valid, what's not. And I brought it as an example to ask from popular culture whether this baptism was valid. And he just splashes the guy in, guy's head into the bucket and right. says, Felicidades. Felicidades. And I thought it was funny and it was just kind of a joke to lighten the class, right? Um, just from the beginning. Hey, check out this clip. And Father Coronado was like, this is a waste of my time. What have you done? Whoa. I should penalize you for it. <laughs> and I realized, okay, that wasn't very funny, but it wasn't that, I don't know, that terrible. I don't think it was that offensive. I, I think I think all of us are on a one-way, sen- one-way track to a sensitivity training. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of things that it's like, Yep, you can't say that. Can't laugh at that anymore. I mean, I watched Blazing Saddles. Not a good movie. Not a movie that I would just recommend. I watched Spaceballs because it was Mel Brooks. And then I was like, oh, Spaceballs was cool. I should watch Blazing Saddles. And then I watched Blazing Saddles. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Like, that's that's too far. But, you know, at some point, some people are probably going to say, yeah, Nacho Libre, maybe too far. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It's certainly, I don't feel to, like it's on the same par as Blazing Saddles. But. I'm not trying to offend people. And I do think, well, you know, if people take serious offense, then um, I'm not going to promote that stuff. And um, I do, I am kind of an anti censorship guy, but I also understand that you got to protect your mind and you can be desensitized. Right. And I don't like that I've kind of let myself. Um, be desensitized sometimes from worldly, I don't know, not pursuits, but interests, movies, music, all that stuff. Sure. I mean, I saw, I feel like I sound like a, a Puritan or something, but I've learned lessons, I guess 38. I'm like, ah, I wish I, um, just had a simpler mind, you know, less cluttered and distracted. Yeah. Well, and that you spent most of your life memorizing uh, whatever cheat codes from Grand Theft Auto and uh, movie lines from Tommy Boy. And it's like, there's no room left for, <laughs> yeah. you know, like constellations and the Constitution. Yeah. So. Beautiful, important things that you really would rather. Sure. All right. Well, that's movie review. That's a from, le- That's a This lead-in. is like... Uh, 
Uh, I'm glad we shared a moment with the Baja with the Baja Chalupa. Does Siskel and Ebert still do their thing? Dun, 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 dun. I don't even know who dun, the critics dun, dun, are. Anymore. It's all Rotten Tomatoes. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I believe that um, uh, Siskel died years ago. Uh, Roger Ebert died a few years ago, um, and uh, it oh, was uh, it was Ebert and Roper for a while. Ebert, uh, funny enough, Roger Ebert uh, was from Urbana, Illinois. And uh, his face is on the side of the Courier Cafe, oh. where I had an amazing Reuben while I was at home. You love that Reuben. Love the Reuben. And if I can, one more one more shout out, or excuse me, shout down. Are there certain restaurants that you just avoid, like uh, that you just don't go there? Like you see it and it's like, yep, not interested. Some yeah. people are that way with Long John Silver's. Yeah. Huge Long John Silver fan. I could see Carl that. Bunderson, <laughs> as well as Lorenzo Albacetti. I mean, it's still around. They got to have right. fans. Yeah. I'd say Del Taco. Del Taco. Like, eh. Don't really care. Okay. Yeah. Even Taco Bell. Sorry to sorry to say it, but no. not, not going to blow me away. I'd, Every- I'd take even Arby's. What? I'd take any other place No, see, that's those. just it. That's just it. Somebody said, when was the last time you had... Um, when was the last time you had KFC? I'm like, probably 12 years ago. Yep. When was the last time you had Taco Bell last week? When was the last time you had Arby's? Probably three to five years ago. Decided to go with it because somebody had recommended it? No. Nope. Bad. Bad experience. Sorry for all the Arby's owners out there. Yeah, that's uh, right. It was somebody's a uh, franchising. Somebody, right now. yeah, I know. Canceling. Uh, us but Brian Baselli's like, podcast they're list. losing their mind, and I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> I got the I got master. the Reuben at uh, Arby's. Bad idea. Yeah. But the Courier Cafe, Urbana, Illinois. Roger Ebert approved. Check it out. Two thumbs up. Yep. All right, so we're into Holy Week, and this is probably going to be published in Easter. So we're looking for, at some point we have to do one that we will actually put before Easter. Oh, really? So if you want it before Easter, it can come out. Okay, yeah, why not? This will come out on Holy Thursday then. Well, but, oh yeah, okay. So I'm, yeah, I could focus on the Palm Sunday. Okay, so I've got this palm right here. I see that. He has a prop. I have a prop. This is a blessed palm I took from the cathedral. And I wanted to point out that there is particularly particular imagery that I think can be lost with the palm. Mm -hmm. That is that the area where Jesus lived and died, particularly where he died, Jerusalem is arid. It's desert, man. Mm -hmm. So where he came from in Galilee is rather lush. It's not rainforest. But right, it's green. There's a lot of grass. There's like livestock. More California. Yeah, that's what. When I was in Galilee, I was like, "Wow, this is like California." Yeah, and then down the river, uh, d- down the River Jordan, it flows to the south to the Dead Sea. There are some kind of trees and some green on the way down, and then nothing at the Dead Sea. Um, if you follow that from Jericho right there t- up to Jerusalem. To the east, you're going to find uh, very little verdure. Verdure, <laughs> and uh, excellent word choice. Yeah, and this, but the Bible uses all kinds of 
um, imagery that has to do with garden and trees. And for all of those people to have um, palms, they probably had to bring them up from a long journey from the um, hmm. Jordan River. Yeah. Where there's palm trees. Sure. And bring them with. They're, they're mostly date palms. So they're growing dates for sugar and syrups and also for just dessert and part of the cuisine. But they probably brought them up and might have been part of the imagery of temple pilgrimage procession. Mm. There's allusions in the Bible to um, the procession Hosanna in the highest. And it's not super clear to me why they have them there. But one of the things that the, the scripture does is that it has this prediction in Ezekiel that water will come from the side of the temple. Yes. And it will grow from a little trickle to a stream to a river that's like flowing a mile wide and then it goes yeah. to the sea. And it refreshes all of the the salt water in the sea. Uh-huh. So it's this big fresh river that's flooding the flooding that plain yeah. and turning it into a garden. Right? Hmm. There's going to be plants and trees that grow up around it. That's cool. I've never thought about that, that it'll come from the temple, which uh, ordinarily they don't have as much water up there Yeah, in Jerusalem. And the temple design probably had a lot of motifs, This is for even for the second temple, Solomon certainly did, of the Garden of Eden in uh, the Holy of Holies. Right. Decorated that way. So... I think there must have been something of a sense on as they're heading into Passover of um, of eschatology. That is, they're proclaiming the end times. God has promised us things that are going to happen because he promised them. And one of the primary images for, for referring to God fulfilling his promises is a return to paradise, a return of the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And how the whole world is going to be transformed into paradise, right? Because God has promised things. And this might have been a symbol, I think, certainly with Jesus coming in and for Messianic Jews, saying this is the time when God is fulfilling his promises. He's about, it's right around the corner when the world is going to be transformed into paradise again. Um, And that's, of course, a metaphor. It's not like, okay, the garden is going to grow and then... We're going to be, you know, um, I don't know. Like, it's not a literal Garden of Eden, right? It's that the world is going to be transformed. Mm -hmm. And the book of Revelation gives us a picture of that that comes from Isaiah. Behold, I make all things new. And then it uses imagery from the garden saying, okay, because Jesus has come, this um, world is being transformed into paradise. The land of jackals and ostriches. Ostriches. Ostriches? Ostriches. Ostriches. That's the desert, though, right? Yeah, will become a will become a the desert bloom. Yes. So. Yeah. So the, that's one of the expectations of the Jews, and something that Christians saw as fulfilled in Jesus. And so this, this so it, day, but you you don't think it actually happened. You're just saying like they saw the end times as yeah. being fulfilled in Christ. Yes. Even while um, well, he was there. Okay, so the Jews were saying, this is about to come. It's going to come because God is going to send his Messiah and then carry out this plan, right? So they're expecting, they need a leader. They need a hero in actu- to actually transform the world mm-hmm. because God doesn't just do things by 
sprinkling magic dust everywhere, mm-hmm. right? He's going to send a, a hero, a figure that's going to act in his yes. name, uh-huh. you know, the Messiah. And so, the waving the palms around in in one sense for us Catholics is a, a reminder of that day and the promises that God has made to us and to the whole world. And then also for us, it's like, hey, we don't have to drop the palms. The kingdom of God has come, you know, the wedding of heaven and earth, heaven, heaven come to earth and transforming the world into a new creation, right? We're heading into Holy Week where we're going to see how God carried out that plan. And we'll celebrate even in a bigger way on in Easter time, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm trying to draw attention to two things. One is the garden image that the palms um, predict. This is for the people and at, at the time who are heralding the coming of Jesus, a sign of their hope. Here it is. It's like the time has come. But over the course of the next few days, they're going to abandon their hope and say, mm. okay, we thought this guy was going to bring about God's right. pr- yep. was promises, but he's not who we thought w- he was. He's a disappointment. We're disappointed personally, and the trials come, and they they give up. And then he dies, right? And um, so... Game over. They're game over, yeah. Their hopes were uh, dashed. Their disappointments were, um, I don't know. We had fulfilled hoped we had hoped yeah nice where's that come from emmaus emmaus the road to emmaus but then the question i have is um i like this topic um i i love the the idea of the people creating like almost like a a a garden meadow like as they're waving their palms it just looks like the wind Mm, you know is blowing through like a new spirit um but then in one of the Gospels, it says that they went and they cut leafy branches. Yeah. So it doesn't doesn't necessarily say that they were holding palm fronds. Some of them were because the, you say that they probably brought them up from Galilee. Yeah, there could have been there could have been palm trees in Jerusalem, but probably not a lot. Okay. And so yeah, they cut palm fronds and they laid them out with yeah. their cloaks and stuff. They like went that. and they so, found leafy branches. It says. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Maybe olive trees. There's olive trees there, too. Yeah. There are trees. Could yeah. you imagine if some dude just went up and hacked your tree off? <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, yeah, that's fairly intense. I saw you sitting under the fig tree, and then the fig tree's gone. Right. Uh, there was a withered tree, you know, in Mark 13, uh-huh. or, um, or between, you know, Mark 12 and But 15, one, it says, it says it was in full bloom. It was had its foliage, but there were no figs on it. Yeah, and he's and Jesus is like, yep, curse be that tree. And yeah, this is a, a symbol for. Okay, so um, let's just go with the garden imagery because there's garden imagery. Bra- there's branches there. Branches you know, wherever they came from. I don't Branch know. town. Uh, if there was a lot, then uh, yeah, that's just a speculation. The Natsar, if they you will, came from below. That's right, branches Natsar. What? Who? So. It's a sign of the renewal of the garden. God is going to turn the world into paradise. That's a Christian claim. I, I love that. That's something we believe. Not something we are wishful thinking about, but something we believe. Right. That we live in hope that God is going to turn, is turning the world into paradise. And we mm. can't doubt it anymore because Jesus rose from the dead. 
And he said, I've fulfilled this. Yeah. So then what are the, what are the hopes? I wanted to point out, there's a lot of hopes in the old Testament that point to what were the people thinking the garden would look like? That is, what is God going to turn the world into? And what does that paradise look like? And I, there's three particular classes of things that I want people to think about and, um, reflect on our hopes for think on the intercessions the prayers of the faithful mm-hmm. what are the three classes of or groups that we're supposed to pray for or that we do pray for the church okay you want me to go on yep the world the and the dead well the dead and the individuals the right sick and it can be ourselves uh-huh right um so yeah the the person like me, there's hopes. God has promises, has promised things to every baptized person, and really everyone in the world. Frankly, it's just that we um, have been given the grace to know the promises and to pay attention to them. Uh, he's promised to the church and or the people of God, so that's anticipated by the um, the people of God, the uh, descendants of Abraham, and then promises to the world. Mm-hmm. So. There is various places, there are various places where you can find these hopes. Particular articulations that I find really beautiful are in the major prophets. So one of the images in Ezekiel is that flooding of the plain and the restoration of the garden. And you can find different promises that God makes that the prophets talk about. In, related to that image in Ezekiel, but also spread out in the other ones. So um, I wanted to point out Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. Now you're a focused Bible missionary, so I think you know I, you know I, most of this stuff. Yeah, I'm not a good. All right, thirty-one, 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 thirty-one. Thirty-one, thirty-one is for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Nope, that's. Beautiful, but that's earlier on in Jeremiah because he's speaking just to Jeremiah. This is uh, this is Jeremiah speaking to the people on behalf of God. Uh-huh. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not not like, like the covenant which I made with your fathers when I took them by the hand and brought them out from the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, and I showed myself their master, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says mm-hmm. the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each man teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least least to the greatest, greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Hmm. Okay. And it it goes on a little bit. If you want to look into that, it's beautiful. I'm going to give you a new covenant that is going to be written on your hearts. And everyone is going to know God intuitively by knowing you. And so this is a promise I argue for primarily for the church, right? It's for this corporate body to Israel and Judah, uh, the people of God. And Jesus, of course, fulfills this. Mm-hmm. Here's the blood of, my, of the new covenant. Yeah. Here's my body and blood. These are signs of the new covenant. It's eternal. It'll never be broken. And it's, on the one hand, it's a, a connection, an absolute connection between God and his people that cannot be broken. And it's also a way of glorifying the people so that God is fulfilling this promise. Everyone will look on you and they will know God. 
that was a promise that God made to this people Israel that they're going to be glorified to the in in history their place is going to be that they reveal God to everyone mm. right and that's a promise that God has made to the church now I, I I think that's important for us to hope in that because there are people who are despairing this year every year you know it's a tendency sure but if we're disappointed or frustrated, it's a good reminder of our hope that God has promised paradise and we're a people of hope. This is our, this is our primary stance, not to say, Oh, the church is so messed up and how can we diagnose everything and everything um, is falling apart or whatever. No, this is a promise from God that he's going to sanctify his church. He's going to purify his church constantly through time He's, he's, um, the garden is here. Paradise is here. It's not perfect yet. Heaven is perfect. Um, and when people look at the church, they're going to know God, you know, it's going to be that kind of light to the nations. It's going to be that blessing to the world and it's going to come intuitively. We don't have to fix ourselves. God is going to fix us Hmm. and purify us. And that's a promise he's made. That's what a covenant is, right? So what do you think of that hope? Do you see what I'm kind of getting at for the church there? I appreciate it because I think it goes back to a previous topic that we were talking about even yesterday. Father Derek Lear uh, giving some, uh, doling out some praise for the uh, Leaving the Zoo podcast and just kind of saying like the the mission of the church is not uh, a pastoral program, but is a theological reality. And I like the hope that you are founding are, are, I don't know, you're placing our anchor, which is God is actually doing this. It's not about us. And he's the one that's going to make the garden. He's already promised it. Um, and to me, it's like, if the garden's already there, then how do I find it? How do I find that garden? I don't have to grow the garden, but but their garden's already somewhere. And to me, like, that's the invitation, which is... To live there? To live in that place, in this, in that secret garden. Um, I can't remember. Uh, I think it's St. Bernard or whatever, but it's like, he says somewhere, it's like, the wall has been breached, and I have... I have like been able to take the treasure, uh, which is about Jesus. You know, since his body's been opened, like now I can live within him. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that you pointing towards that because, you know, I was just reading the Gallup survey. Did you read that Gallup survey that just came out about? Um, no. Nope. The church membership is now below 50% in the whole United States. Um, so it doesn't matter if they're Protestants, Jews, Muslims, Christians, like on less than 50% identify themselves with a particular church. Um, and those numbers have just gone down for, you know, the last whatever, 20, 25 years. It doesn't matter if it's you're college educated, you live in the South, you're white, black, um, whatever like uh it was all just trending down yeah and uh and as i was reading that i was just like yeah i'm not disturbed by this because ultimately it's it's the 
uh, my hope is not in the census. It's not in eventually let's get these numbers back up. It's like people of faith. Yeah. People and of we faith. don't have to panic. We don't have to strategize so we get everything right. We actually don't know what we're doing, and that's okay because Jesus does. And there's, yeah, I mean, my, I had a, a new friend, Lauren Grief, was in my office the other day. She's going to marry Jonathan Morofsky and two great Catholic young people. And she was telling me she had moved from, uh, where did she go? Ole Miss. And she was involved in the Newman Center, you know, a real rich faith life there, and then moved to Colorado. And she had heard that from, from Catholic stuff, you should know, and other places, that there's a, just a vibrant young adult Catholic community. She moves here during COVID. Oh. And she says, I don't, I, I don't feel edified at all. All my neighbors, they don't know who God is. Yeah. They don't care. Right. There's nobody. Nobody believes. Could be true. And it was sad to hear, but I'm kind of surrounded by all these believers. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I can connect you. But it did tell me something about, oh, this outside of this crew, there's, you know, there's dwindling faith in God. Yes. But we're not supposed to take that on. You know, our conviction, even though it's tried, and this is kind of the, the message to me of the Holy Week, it's tried. And even the apostles have their faith shaken. And Jesus knows it. He says, your faith will be shaken, but I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Mm-hmm. And I know better than you do. So even though you're going to be disappointed and you're going to say, oh, God hasn't fulfilled his promise to the church. He doesn't care about us as much. And then Jesus knows better and, he's, and he is going to rise. And he says, keep your hope alive. This is the Christian stance. When they look at you, they should find a people of hope. You know, when the world, they should see something different. They shouldn't see the people who are panicky and saying the world is awful, I'm awful, and the church is awful. Yeah. You know, that's what I I called chicken little Catholicism. Right. Yeah. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's all done. Church is over. Christendom's over. I'm like yeah. okay. Well, so like, I don't care. Like I don't care. I I don't want to live in Christendom. Like I just want to live in Christ. And and when you say Christendom. Uh, when 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 Archbishop and others have you know we've been reading these books uh, about you know like the the need for renewal in the church when they talk about Christendom being over it's the political cultural and social effects of Christianity that are l- felt in the world that like the air you breathe is is Christian culture. Right. There's no Christian culture. Yeah. Like the closest thing I can think about that is like back in the day when it was the Bulls dynasty, everything was Bulls. You're everything. Right. Right. Red and black were the coolest colors. Red and black were the sneakers that people wanted. Uh, red and black was on like the McDonald's cups. This is in Illinois. So, I mean, maybe other places they don't, they didn't really experience this, but like Jordan was selling everything. Um, like you, you, everybody was tuned in to the NBA Finals. You know, Indiana was like the hated rival. Rick Smiths, are you kidding me? I mean, Rick, Rick Smith. Rick Smiths was probably a great dude, but like around my house, it was like, oh man, did you see Rick Smiths elbow somebody? You know, 
So like we were living, we were living the culture. That's the culture. You know, that was the saturated. That was the bulldom, the bullendom, yeah. uh, Jordandom. Um, that's Christendom. You know, the songs that we sang, the 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 clothes that we wore, the architecture that we had. Like it was all because of that event, and that perfused everything. Yeah. We don't have that anymore. Yep, that's not. We don't like, live in. Christendom. When I went, when I went to the um, New York City um for um to see the capuchin friars excuse me franciscan friars for the re- renewal shout out to father xavier marie and father pierre Toussaint Yo, uh, and the rest of the boys um i went down to the cathedral do you know what's right across the street from new york city cathedral never show you this from picture st patrick's yeah i don't remember i've been there but i don't remember. i don't know if it was, it was there whenever you were there victoria's secret Oh no, I don't. That is that. right across the way from from uh, the cathedral, and I'm just like, we don't live in a Christian culture. No surprise. Yeah, you know, like, and I'm not saying no. like this should be some sort of Catholic bookstore. It's just like, right. no. I mean, it's evident that we're 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 not gonna we're not winning the war, we're not winning the culture war. Um, but I believe yeah. that there are disciples in New York City. It's not like someone. It's not like s- someone said. My business is like this important business to me is it's important for me to have my business located somewhere where I can just look at the cathedral and remember Jesus all day. Right. And my employees can just look at the cathedral. So you would you might expect the cathedral to be surrounded by people whose priority is I want to be close to Jesus. And that's not that's not the case. It's just not the concern of the culture. And we can either cry about that. Or we can try to convert people individually mm-hmm. and stop worrying about how we've lost something, yeah. right? I think that's the point of the Christendom apostolic age thing. Um, that's not everything to say about it, but I feel sure. it. The chicken little. So God promises to the church. God also promises, um, uh, I'm going to give. You, I'm going to take away your stony hearts and give you natural hearts, and I'm going to make you live. I'm going to make you so happy that every individual has this promise from God. I'm going to make your life full of life. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I came that your joy might be complete, right? And these are Jesus' fulfilling the promises of God. Mm -hmm. God says to every human heart, I'm going to place myself in there and you're going to be happier than you could know. Um, Heaven, there's there's going to be this transformation of my heart, my life into paradise. And that's real, you know, that is something I could doubt. I could have my faith shaken. I could struggle with. But Jesus says, I'm going ahead, ahead of you to Galilee. And when he rises, it's proof that this is here. This is God is fulfilling his promise. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a fake promise. It's not something you only, only going to get a tiny little crumb of. Mm-hmm. It's something that you could be filled with yeah. in, in your life. And God intends for the world. And then... God has promises for the world. And Isaiah at the end, 66, he says, because of the way that God is going to relate to Israel, you could talk about the church, all nations are going to be drawn to him in the wealth of nations. And the whole world is going to be created anew. So God is promising to, to the people of God that you're going to see me transform the whole world. I love the world. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loves the world, and he's going he's gonna to win it over, and he's going to transform it. 
So there's promises for the individual, there's promises for the church, and there's promises for the world. And we're not supposed to be chicken littles, you know? This is, this is uh, the final point that I made to my, my parish when I was preaching on um, Palm Sunday a couple days ago, was take this palm to work. Put it on your cubicle, put it in your office. It's a far less threatening sign to people who can only see uh, a crucifix and say, oh, you're in too far, you're in too deep, or that's offensive because you're trying to be um, exclusive or something like that. Whatever it is that people have fear of Jesus, mm-hmm. that's going to be inevitable. You have, the, you have the palm there, and when they say, what, what is that? Why are you bringing broken branches into, into the office? You say, because I believe that God is turning the world into a paradise. Hmm. And then they, maybe they say, oh, well, why? Why would you believe that? The world is terrible. Yeah. Then you say, because I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ and that he's risen from the dead. Right. He's fulfilled. And God has promised it and he'll do it. You know? God yeah. is not the kind of promise. He's not a father who says, hey, I'm going to take you to, to Disneyland someday. I know you love Disney and I'm going to take you to Disneyland. Right. And then, well, fact is that in the end, he shows up with a little, you know, video VHS and he's going <laughs> to sh- show you a video. Right. No, you're going to Disneyland, and it's only yeah. a matter of time, and it's right around the corner. That's how we're supposed to live, with that kind of expectation. Yeah. My father promises, and it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh? I love that part of Isaiah uh, where he says, My word does not return to me void. Yep. Just as the rain and the snow comes down and do not return until they have watered the earth, giving grass to those who uh, grow and plants to those in need. Um so shall my word not return to me void. And that's I'm it. like, that's his word. I liked I liked Archbishop's homily yesterday for Chrism Mass, where he talked about see the world from the from the vantage of God. You yes. know, see the see through the eyes of the Father. Yes. And I was like, man, that's great. You know, I would love that. Because in the midst of everything going on in the world, I'm like, where 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 are you? Lord, yeah. are, are you are you gonna fulfill your your promises and and it's like yeah yeah and you It'll can come. and and i think it's it could be very provocative and um and beautiful to pray on this attitude of jesus through holy week mm-hmm. sometimes we make jesus too um weak feeling sorry for himself yeah. oh i'm suffering whatever john's gospel says this is his moment of triumph and when you have, when you lift up the Son of Man, the whole world will be drawn to him, and it'll be, the glory of God will be shown. Yeah. You think Jesus is feeling sorry for himself? He gets up on that cross. He chooses his, he enters willingly into his passion. Yeah. And I think Mary could look upon him and just say, good, this is, you're conquering the world. You're conquering sin and death. And it's not just, I mean, the passion of the Christ peace is, is true. We're supposed to weep for our sins and for the world. But there's a flip side to that. That is, we're supposed to be very happy because God is doing what he had promised to do. Mm-hmm. And he's transforming the world. Yeah. And we can have that same kind of joy and confidence that Jesus had. You know? the the Yeah, the Gospels present Jesus as pretty strong yeah. in the midst of his, his passion. Yeah. And, yeah. And I don't think we necessarily look at it like that. This is the glory of God. This is the triumph. This is the king reigning from his throne. 
Um, and if we're entering in, we can have that same um, kind of joy in seeing him triumph, triumph, mm-hmm. triumph. You come through Lent. It was discouraging. I didn't do everything I wanted, whatever. And now you get Jesus showing you, I can do what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's uh, the hope uh, The hope of the palms. Hope of nations. The promises of God. Yeah. Promises of the palms. Promises of the palms. There you go. Good. Of the garden. Yeah, that's it. That's the. Uh, uh, I have a shout out. You have a shout out? I got a lot of letters to read, too. I got two shout outs. Go ahead. One, I um, was happy to have attended the funeral mass, the requiem mass for. You did? Uh, yep. Officer Eric Tully and on Tally. Monday. Uh, Officer Eric Tally. And who wow. was an officer who was killed in a shooting here in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And he's a good Catholic. He's got seven kids. He was very faithful, very generous with serving the church and the world, a hero. And um, Archbishop made a good point about just honoring him for here's a here's a, a protector of lives. Mm-hmm. You know, here's someone who valued life and was there to defend life, and we're grateful for him. So yeah. I was happy to um, just show some love. I didn't know him. But I respect him terribly for being a good Catholic and a good uh, police officer. So thank you, officer. Um, may you rest with God. Thank you for your life and uh, know of my prayers for the family. Absolutely. Uh, that's. I felt kind of bad because I was yawning through your podcast. Um, I don't know if you saw that a few times. I did. Oh, um, I did. I, but the reason why is because I stayed up last night and watched the Requiem Mass and then also the memorial service uh, that was held the following day at the Flatirons Community Church in Boulder, um, just to hear like uh, how they were honoring this man. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, um, I, I, I was. I think I'd have to do another uh, podcast on that. Um, maybe even the next one that we do, because uh, I'm. I was really intrigued. Um, I thought that Father Jackson and Father Nolan did an amazing it job. It was beautiful. They did. They did very good. And if you could find it online, oh, I don't know if you can. I just, I just found it on YouTube. There is an extended quote that Father Jackson uses in his homily about um, by Newman. John, yeah, by Newman. Yep. That is gorgeous. Yep. Really, really well worth uh, meditating on, even if you're looking for something for Holy Week or Easter. Yes. Yeah, I just found it on YouTube. The frustrating thing is, like, right in the middle of his homily when you're like, in the depths of the pain of the agony in the garden, it breaks to like a commercial on like uh, oh, dog no. treats. Oh no! And I was the just YouTube like, thing? I am so mad right now. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly we want to honor his wife. Uh, I think it's Leah uh, and his children, um, and uh, and in gratitude for for running towards um, life. And not just trying to save your own. Yeah, thought that was a beautiful line yeah. that Father Nolan said the other day at the memorial service, which which is no one, no one took, no one took Father or no one took Officer Tally's life. He gave his life. Yeah, and he gave his life every day. Yep, leading up to the day when yeah, he that finally was gave his life. Word. So, um, also pray for the shooter. Pray for our enemy. Yes, you know, for um, reconciliation and peace for all of those who are um, very angry and hurt. In time, yeah. you know, that's okay to 
to feel that way for sure. Um, but we want healing. We pray for healing and pray for all of those who are deranged and who the devil can pick on and use to do terrible things. Yeah. You know? And for the nine other victims. Yep. So, yeah. So that was a little heavy. Uh, also, Andrea Abu Jaoud, who wrote me a beautiful, or wrote to us a beautiful letter thanking us and um, sharing her own testimony. Cool. Um, she's a Maronite Catholic, and um, she has been you know, very close to the Lebanese community. They have had a really hard go at uh, the last really 20 years, but very recently they have chaos in their country and a lot of people are dying a lot of people are um, suffering and um, in particular her uncle Jad was a military officer who was assassinated they came into his house in Lebanon hunted him down or yeah and um, and they killed him and so her family suffering a lot and um, I told her that I would pray for her. she also wanted a sh- some shout out that said something about how she's too long-winded and uh, annoying and i'm like i'm not gonna say that <laughs> poor thing <laughs> a little too late but um yeah we care about you thank you for sharing your story it was beautiful and her journey with god is uh, very moving so yeah shout out andrea thank you well i, I just want to read one letter then uh we're getting behind on our mailbag um this is from uh the diocese of cleveland um he wrote uh, a number of things, but then it just says, uh, people want priests who are humans and you guys are a rare breed. And I thank you so much for your witness. This has already inspired me greatly in my priesthood uh, to be real as possible while always pointing to Christ. If we believe the incarnation, uh, Christ's humanity was real, raw and relational as his priests, we should do the same. Um, so as you enjoy the bourbon, soak in the father's love that he has led you to inspire so many, certainly through your priesthood, but just through who you are. Know of my continued prayers for your ministry, Father David Stavars. David Stavars from the Diocese of Cleveland. I don't know where he is. Awesome. Um, Thank you, Father David. Yeah, he's in uh, Mentor, Ohio, on Johnny Cake Road. Johnny Cake Road, um, uh, we, yeah, we want to thank you for for listening, for your love, uh, for your encouragement, and uh, on this Holy Thursday, uh, for your priesthood, for the ways in which you minister, and for all priests, um, for the ways in which they're given their lives, uh, for the people continuing to offer um, the gift of Christ's ministry uh, to the world, which continues you know, the Father's love. So, yep. Thank pray you for us. F- thank you for your love for Jesus. Any any friend of Jesus is a friend of mine. Brother, we're co-workers, Jesus and God bless you. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. I, this is throwing me off in my practice for the Exalta. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful Holy Week. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Lighters. Lighters.